0: To livealittlehigher.com. This week we learned Parashah Korach and it's named after an evil person. Korach actually was the cousin, the first cousin of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron HaKohen and he made a rebellion against his his cousins because he felt that the whole Jewish people was holy and it was not fair that they had to have Moshe and Aaron HaKohen as the leaders of the Jewish people and um, so the parasha really is not a simple portion it talks about uh, discord about animosity but the message in reality is a very simple message the message is don't fight in life we have to learn to choose our battles we have to learn what when we're uh, fighting for the sake of heaven or if we're fighting because we have a huge ego and we want to appease it, we want to feed it so, so he, the, the parasha teaches us that fighting <clears throat> it's a person from the inside out it's like a poison and when you feel resentment, envy, jealousy towards other people then inside of you you start getting like um, like poisoned uh, and it brings out the worst of a person. Rabbi Mayer Simha of Div- Divinsk, he asks, why was being consumed into the earth the ideal death for Korah and his crew? As we know, Korah and his uh, 250 followers, which were, we have to understand, these were righteous, righteous people. They were learned people. They were people who were rich, who had everything. It wasn't like just anybody, it was like the creme de la creme of the Jewish people. And he was able to persuade them to come into his rebellion. And at the end, they were swallowed by the earth. So Rabbi Devinsk asked uh, why was this death uh, ideal for the crew of uh, Korach? And here we see where the conflict lies. So he answers that the death by being consumed into the earth is the sign It is immensely symbolic because it teaches people that when a fight breaks out, it did not happen overnight. What it's telling us is that when a person gets into a big fight with someone else, really it's not something that comes out of nowhere. There has to be uh, already brewing inside of these people uh, these feelings, these sentiments of, of not getting along, that will eventually bring this fight. So Lashon HaKodesh, the Hebrew language, the holy language, the word that uses for this type of fighting is called machlokets, And machlokets has in the word Mahala. And Mahala means an illness. And an argument is the final result of a deep-seated illness that eventually explodes like a hot, angry lava from a volcano, like we're going through the volcanoes in this era. So that's how it feels like people become irrational and from the surface the earth looks calm and quiet but once once a month on Rosh a cloud of smoke rises from the ground and from underneath Korah and his crew scream Moshe is truthful and the and, and the and the and his Torah is truth so they were swallowed alive they say that they're still alive in somewhere in the between the ground and that every rosh Hashodish, they 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 have to say that the Torah is the truth and Moshe is truthful. So the Ramban teaches us that Korah had always been an abnormally jealous of Moshe and Aaron, and that's why the the Torah portion is called after him. Like why would the Torah put an evil person's name in a, a, a whole parasha? And the meaning is that he really, if you look at it, like he wanted to be like them. So there's nothing wrong of wanting to be like someone that is holy, someone that is elevated. You want to emulate them, you wanna be like them. This is why his name is in this Torah portion, but at the same time, it was a sick wanting. He didn't want to be himself, he wanted to be them. So people sometimes they see someone they like, they like the way they are, they, they respect them, and you emulate this person, but you're still you. The problem with Korah is that he didn't want to be him. He wanted to be them. So also, this Torah portion talks about the power of a woman, and from here we know where the whole problem came from. So we look back and we look at the root of the problem, we realize that the whole problem of Korah sadly came from his wife. The wife was an evil wife. He was a, she was an evil woman, and she was the one that created all these machlokes. She's the one that created all this animosity inside of Korah. So it says here, if machlokes is so terrible, and Korah was an intelligent person, what did he see in the nonsense? How can a person that was so intelligent, was so learned? had everything because he was rich, he had everything. He had the house, the car, the vacations. He had everything he wanted in his life. How can it be that a person like him ends up uh, falling into this uh, stupidity? And what was the source behind his his behavior that caused him to lose everything? So the Torah teaches us that it was his wife. His wife was the one that led him into, into annihilation. And the Midrash Rabbah says the attributes correspond the myth to the verse that says that the construction and destruction of the home belong to the woman, and uh, the wisdom of the woman builds her house, and the foolish one will with her hands will destroy it. So what we see here is that a woman has the power to build and she has the the power to destroy. This is a, the, the the paradox of a woman. She can be the most amazing builder of a beautiful home with Shalom bite and, and the special people in it where there's peace and there's love and there's understanding of life. Or you can have a woman that will just destroy her husband, her children, and everything around her. So, so it says that it is a brilliant woman. It takes a lot of intelligence from a woman to be able to not fall into... Um, wanting to be like the Jones and wanting to love what she has and be appreciative of her of her blessings and counting her blessings and when she's not snooping and looking at other people's possessions and she's not looking at what other people have and she's just concentrated on her home on her children on her husband she's not comparing them to anybody else she values each person for who they are then this is a woman who is construction is constructing so let us understand the Hakmos Nashim, the wisdom of the woman. Let's understand where, what this is. And what does the world build really mean? So to us, to build is to add something to something. Like a floor, an extra bathroom, another brick. And this, this uh, means for us to build. But the sages tells, tell us otherwise. Adding more floors they warrant can be true destruction that superfluous building is destructive they learn from matan torah for example in matan torah it said don't dare to ascend the, the mountain hashem wanted us to be down they not want us to ascend because we wouldn't have been able to survive the same way the torah you cannot add a word to the torah you cannot take away a word to the torah it's perfect as it is so if you're building on top of the torah and you're giving more more laws and more mitzvahs and more you're really it becomes a destructive force it doesn't become a constructive force so the sages are teaching us here that when a person attempts to reach heights where he doesn't belong rashi uh, tells us she separates herself from the position of the people and brings on destruction so we have to be very careful not to want to be someone we're not and in today's age with social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all this uh, instant uh, uh, social media, people can lose it and they can forget who they are. And suddenly they're wanting to live the life of someone else that it's not theirs. And it's very dangerous. And many people end up being highly depressed of their lives because they see other people as a perfect life and their life is not so perfect and in reality nobody has it perfect. Each person has their own pekele. So the one who wants more and more, the woman who is a bona, a true builder, on the other hand, is the one who has bina. So bina means understanding and she's able to extract insight from that which she already possesses. So the one that wants more and more and more can, can become a destructive force. It depends what she wants. So a woman who's always seeking more is only bringing destruction upon herself and her home. And a woman who doesn't seek too much has the capacity to bring the ultimate peace to her home. So it's up to the woman. Either she makes her family happy, she's happy with her lot. I I remember growing up, my mother never compared herself to anybody. She never said, oh, look what this one has, or look what that one has, or look where they went. Never, ever, ever. My sister and I, we grew up with no envy at all we never looked at other people's things and if we did we were happy for them that they had what they had but we were never looking at what we don't have on the contrary we were always looking at what we did have so we see here that the problem with Cora is that his wife created in him a sentiment of low self-esteem she made him feel like he was something little like he was not a big thing Instead of telling her husband, oh, I'm so proud of you, look who you are, you're a levy, you sing in the Mishkan, you have such an important position, I'm, I feel so much pride. It was the other way around. She felt, oh, they give you this position so you can feel good and so you can, uh, they, th- they make you think that you're important, but you're really not important. And this is the, the, the way that she spoke to her husband. And that creates destruction, that creates bad feelings in her husband and um, and in that way the husband wanted to please his wife and ended up doing things that he shouldn't have done. So a destructive woman sets impossible ex- expectations for herself, for her husband, for her children. She's always comparing them to someone else. She's never happy with what they bring to the house, what they do for her. And the sages name such a woman as Aniveles, stupid. It, it gives her a strong connotation like a stupid woman. And it's derived from the root word of Ulai, which means perhaps. And it is because she always says, perhaps you could have done this. Perhaps you could be like this one. Perhaps this and that. So this, perhaps, is what brings stupidity into a woman's life and destroys her house. And the one that suffers the most, sadly, is the husband. So the Tanakh gives us a list of, uh, of smart people of the least smart people, of stupid women, and three of them, gives us one is Korak's wife, and Korak's wife, we know she's stupid because of the way she interacted with her husband, and she never made him feel good, so he comes one day home, and he's bald, and she says, what is this, he says, I am a levy, and levies go bald, and she says, but you look ridiculous, what is this, And this is a trap. They're trying to trick you. They're trying to make you feel important. And really you're not important. Did Moshe and Aaron also shave their heads? And he says no. They still have their hair on their heads. So so she says to them. You see I tell you. Eh, Whatever. So this is how she made her husband feel. The second woman that the Tanakh shows as a stupid woman is Serech. Who was the wife of... um, of a Haman in the story of Purim and Seraj means the pauper and she says to her husband everything we have the position, the title, the riches means nothing because this Jew or the high doesn't bow down to you. So instead of making her husband see everything they had, she takes away and she makes him see what he doesn't have and creates all this hatred. And then the last one is Yezebel who her husband was King Ahabab and she says to, to 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 her husband you're like manure, and look where you are and look where I am I'm the daughter of the king of, of Sidon and you're supposed to be worthy of me but look how lowly you are. So we see one thing in these three women is that they make their husbands feel small. They make them feel little and this man had the potential to be the greatest of men if the wives would have showed them the way, they could have become the best of the best of being who they were. But sadly, this was not it. And there's another woman in the Midrash that this parasha talks about that is completely the opposite. She saves her husband from death. And that is the wife of Om ben Peles. And she, when Om ben Peles came and he was part of this rebellion of Korach, she said, What are you doing there? It, you shouldn't be with these rebels. It, it brings nothing to you. You're gonna be on Pelez before the rebellion and you're gonna be on Pelez after the rebellion. It doesn't bring anything for you. What are you gonna gain from it? And she was very intelligent. What did she do? she made a delicious dinner she gave him a lot of wine to drink and he became a little sleepy and he went to sleep and she sat outside of her tent with her hair uncovered which is a sign of immodesty of Jewish women and when they and when the crew came to pick him up when they saw her outside of the house combing her hair they didn't even come near because they were very religious they couldn't look at her and they just went through and he was saved so here we see a woman can destroy, a woman can build, a woman can build up her husband, her house, her, 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 the people she loves. And, and that's the strength of a woman. So I wish you a good week, a happy week, and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.